Now, doesn't that sound a whole lot more like a We Tackle Life podcast? Sure it does. Uh, last week, I told you, uh, it wasn't last week, it was actually Monday, I said, this would probably just be a one-day thing, and indeed it was a one-day thing, the hard rock music. Now I'm back to the uh, NFL Films music, and glad to get into the uh, events of the sports world and the faith uh, message that I have for you today on a Wednesday edition, a March 23rd edition of the We Tackle Life podcast. Bruce Hooley with you, thanks for tuning in. Hey, I just happened upon a couple fresh reviews on my iTunes site. Uh, iTunes, We Tackle Life. Thank you so much for reviewing the podcast. Really appreciate that. And for listening and for saying kind things. And to the uh, hundreds of you who are listening, I used to have uh, over a thousand, but I get it. Spiel's no longer on the podcast. But to the hundreds of you who are listening, I'm really flattered and uh, hope to build it by doing a better job posting the podcast on social media, promoting it that way. So let's get into what's going on. And... Um, Talking a little NCAA basketball tournament. Pro Day at Ohio State. Pro Day at Ohio State. They're going to have a big draft. I would imagine Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson will both go in the first round. Uh, may have uh, an offensive lineman go in the... <coughs> excuse me. May have an offensive lineman go in the first round. Wouldn't surprise me one little bit if uh, Taylor Munford goes in the first round. Otherwise... Um, honestly, I've kind of detached from Ohio State football since... The fall. Um, They're a great team, great program, going to be great next year. A lot of new coaches. They're interesting. At this point in time, though, I'm fully in on basketball, and so really my thoughts are more basketball-oriented. I'm sorry, but uh, it doesn't captivate my interest uh, at this time of year like it does in the fall. So it is going on. ton of GMs out there, ton of head coaches out there, Mike Vrabel's out there, of course. But Pro Day is going on. A lot of sites and a lot of podcasts. You can catch up on all that if that's something you're into. And a lot of people are into it. I just not, happen to not be one of the people who, uh, at this point in time, are into it. If you are into great coffee, if you are into great causes, then you ought to be into Hemisphere Coffee Roasters Coffee. Friends of mine order it. In fact, my friend Stan from Willis Spangler Starling orders it for his office. Stan's a really good boss. So if you have a church, if you have a business, if you provide coffee for your employees, you're not going to be able to find better coffee than Hemisphere Coffee Roasters Coffee. You're not going to be able to find a better cause than Hemisphere Coffee Roasters Coffee because Hemisphere buys its coffee direct from growers around the world. And then those growers further ministry efforts in their local community. What could be better than that? I don't know what, but the coffee's fantastic. So is the Cocal Chocolate. Their tea, they put together gift baskets. If you have somebody who is a client that you just signed a deal with, you want to send them a thank you gift, Hemisphere can hook you up on that. They'll send it out for you. Make it Easily done and no muss, no fuss at a bargain rate, I'm sure, particularly when you use the promo code We Tackle Life when you order. Because if you do that in all caps, you get 15% off. We Tackle Life in all caps. We Tackle Life in all caps. That's how you get it from Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. And we appreciate them being a sponsor, a long running sponsor of the We Tackle Life podcast. All right, so let's jump into Ohio State basketball, the postmortem from the loss to Villanova. Lots of. <coughs> Lots of um, <clears throat> lots of directions this program can go going forward. They're going to lose a lot. They may have Seth Towns, Justice Suing, Justin Arns, Jimmy Sotos back. Those are individual decisions for each player. Honestly, as I said on the Press Pros Magazine Huddle Show the other night, this Ohio State basketball team, this collection of players, I liken it to an old truck that I used to have. Now, I didn't buy it as an old truck. I bought it as a brand new truck. In fact, I ordered the truck from a dealer. 
1997. The redesign of the Ford F-150 pickup. I loved how it looked. I wanted one. I ordered one. I got one. Been a long time. How long? I ordered a brand new truck, albeit with a standard transmission. But every other XLT option on it, electric windows, cruise, AM, FM, cassette. So you know it was a while ago. But I got that truck for under 20 grand. Oh, it was five bucks under 20 grand. But I got it for under 20 grand. Now you can't get a truck without spending, what, 50 grand? But the point is, I love that truck. I shined it up. I took it everywhere. I drove it everywhere. I absolutely love that truck. And then eventually, the engine went out on it. Well, I love the truck so much, I got a new engine, which is kind of like I went to the transfer portal and I got an old engine and I put it in the truck, a used engine. And the truck kept performing. And it performed for like seven more years and it did great. But eventually, eventually, at 185,000 miles, the truck was not out of gas. It was just out of ability. And I was ready for a new truck. But it was hard to part with it a little bit. But I'll be honest. When I saw the flatbed truck come and get my truck after it conked out and wouldn't run anymore, and it was driving away in the pre-dawn light, I was like, I'm ready for a different truck. And I'm ready for a different team. I'm ready for a different team. New recruits, transfer portal guys. Whatever, I'm ready for a different team. I'm not ready for a new coach. Some of you are. I think that's foolish. I'm not ready for a new coach. I'm ready for two new assistant coaches because we have holes on our staff because Tony Skin is going back to Maryland and Ryan Peden has become the head coach at Southern Illinois. Shout out to Salukis of Southern Illinois. All right. I had an inventive, I thought it was inventive at least, thought today on how Chris Holtman can make his staff appreciably better. There's a notion out there that they need to hire a BTTW assistant coach when it comes to recruiting. A something-to-the-wall recruiter, okay? I don't think they necessarily need that. I really don't. Holman's got a top-five class coming in, okay? Like, maybe that's Peden. I get it. But if you're an assistant coach at Ohio State... You've got quite a lot to recruit, too. You've got a lot of great talent in the state of Ohio to recruit. Brandon Rose from Gilmore Academy, Colin White from Ottawa Glendorf, Dalen Swain from Afrocentric. you got players, man. State of Ohio, there's a couple big kids coming, one from Richmond Heights, sophomore 6'9". There are kids in the state of Ohio. You're coming into a good cycle. You ought to be able to recruit to that. So I don't think proven recruiting connections are as essential as I think we're at a point where we need some different ideas on how we're going to do things. It's not that I don't think Chris Holtman can coach. I just think everybody's better when you have somebody who's also done what you've done because the job of an assistant coach, Greg Schiano explained this at the Fiesta Bowl when they lost to Clemson, when Trevor Lawrence was at Clemson as a sophomore, the fumble, Jeff Okuda fumble game. I'm talking to Schiano. And I said, what, what goes into being a good assistant coach? And he said, being a good assistant coach is doing exactly what the head coach tells you to do, but understanding why he tells you to do it. Well, who can understand it better than somebody who's done it before? And I think back to when Thad Mata's staff was really good, it featured Bruce Parkhill, former head coach at Penn State, former Big Ten head coach. Parkhill had a gift working with big men. He was a great assistant coach. Unfortunately, then he got tired of being an assistant coach and he left. I don't know if it was private business, made enough money, could retire, whatever. 
Look at Michigan right now. Phil Martelli. Phil Martelli was a really good head coach. He got stupidly let go. Now he's at Michigan. Juwan Howard wouldn't be nearly as good a head coach without Phil Martelli. Now, I know Chris Holtman's a better head coach than Juwan Howard. He's done it longer. He doesn't necessarily need somebody. But I think it would be good to get a guy who's been a head coach before and maybe a guy who's been a head coach in the Big Ten before. Now, this is where it gets weird, okay? Weird, weird, weird. Who's out of a job, has coached in the Big Ten before, is, by the way, a really good recruiter? Tom Crean. Tom Crean. Coached at Indiana, coached at Michigan State. Fired at Georgia. Tom Crean. Just saying. That would really make the staff better. I got other options. I got other options. And now people are going to say, oh, this guy's in trouble for recruiting violations. You can't have him. Well, he's an assistant. He's not calling the shots anymore. Of course you can. How about Mark Gottfried? How about Mark Gottfried? Crestline, Ohio. Mark Gottfried's a BTTW recruiter. Nothing's illegal anymore now that you have NIL. Mark Gottfried, head coach at Alabama, head coach at North Carolina State. Mark Gottfried be a great hire. Bruce Weber. Got Illinois to the Final Four. Bruce Weber. He was in Value City Arena for probably the highest, greatest moment in Value City Arena history when Matt Sylvester hit the shot to beat Bruce Weber's Illinois coach team. How about Bruce Weber on the sideline? He just got let go of Kansas State or he retired or something. Be still my heart if Ohio State would bring in Frank Martin. Frank Martin, he recruited, who was that kid? The two kids, O.J. Mayo and Bill Walker. He got those guys to go to Kansas State. I mean, come on now. Frank Walker can recruit. Frank Martin can recruit. He's got the hugs glow on him. Frank Martin would be a great hire. How about Chris Mack? Now, some of these guys may get hired as head coaches. Some of them maybe want to sit out, do TV, whatever. But I'm saying there are coaches out there, and I don't think Chris Mack would get it because Holman would think Chris Mack is trying to stab him in the back and take the job. But... I'm just saying, man, uh, you can get, you don't have to get, and I mean no offense by that, you don't, by this, you don't need to get Tony Skin or guys who are just coming up uh, hoping to become head coaches. There's a think outside the box element to this, and I hope they think outside the box on it because that to me would make a lot of sense. I'm sure I just damaged my whatever standing I might have with Chris Holtman over that. But I think that'd be a good idea. Now, there are also two six eight five star forwards, one who signed with Florida, one who signed with LSU, who are now back on the market because Mike White left Florida to go to Georgia and because LSU fired Will Wade. So, hello, a five-star Power forward, 6'8", you got to kick the tires. You got to kick the tires, okay? So let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. I'd much rather get a kid who's a freshman than get a guy in the transfer portal if, if, if what I see is who Ohio State's going to get in the transfer portal. A guy from Princeton? A guy from North Dakota State or South Dakota? Like, could we get a guy who's played high major Division I? 
who is ready to step. Could we get this year's version of Marcus Carr? Could we get that? We got playing time to dangle. If you're afraid of a freshman, I don't want you. But otherwise, next year, if Malachi Branham leaves, next year could shape up as a really tough year at a time when Chris Holtman can't afford a tough year. He's not on the hot seat. I don't believe he's on the hot seat because Gene Smith determines who's on the hot seat. Not you. And Brad Underwood hasn't gotten to the Sweet 16 at Illinois, and he came in the same time Holtman did, and Brad Underwood had Io DeSumo and Kofi Coburn and can't get to the Sweet 16. He lost to Loyola Chicago last year. We didn't lose to Loyola Chicago. We didn't lose to an in-state team like Loyola Chicago is to Illinois. So Holtman's done a much better job than a lot of people want to give him credit for. But can he do a better job? Yeah, yeah, he can. And I think that getting some truly transformative transfers, not Cedric Russell, not Jimmy Sotos. I mean, we need somebody who's like a star for basketball, not a star for TikTok, okay? We need somebody who's a man, not somebody who's got a man bun. So let's see if we can make hay while the sun shines, as we say on the farm, and get something done. Because next year, Holtman knows they got to be good next year. They can't be 17 and 12 and scraping to get into the NCAA tournament. So these freshmen better be good, better fill out that staff, better find some guys in the portal or go find some five stars who are suddenly available because of changes in the coaching ranks. It's all there in front of you. You got to get it done. And it would be hard to get it done because you know what? Everybody else is trying to get those five stars too. Everybody else is trying to hire good staff too. I don't mean to insinuate that if it doesn't happen, it's because you didn't try. But again, what was the John Cooperism years ago? Very politically incorrect now. Don't tell me about the pain. Just show me the baby. Just show me a top three finish in the Big Ten and a Sweet 16 berth. And I don't even care if you don't finish top three in the Big Ten if you show me a Sweet 16 berth. All right. The USFL is coming back into existence, and it announced today its rule changes that differentiate it from the NFL, and some of these are pretty cool. Some of these are pretty cool. Now you can kick an extra point for one. You can go for two, like NFL teams do, or if you run a play from the 10-yard line as an extra point attempt and score, you get three points. You get three points. So imagine, always before, other team had an eight-point lead on you. Clock running down. You were pretty much out of the possibility of winning the game. Now you got to have a ten-point lead on somebody to be bulletproof because they could score a six-point touchdown and a three-point extra point. You also can onside kick it, or, or you can run a play from the opponent's 33-yard line, and if you convert what they're labeling a 4th and 12, you can keep the ball. You can keep the ball. So there you go. That's another cool wrinkle to USFL rules. Here's another one. In overtime, each team's offense will alternate plays against the opposing defense from the 2. In overtime, each team runs a play from the 2. Each successful scoring attempt will receive 2 points. The team with the most points after three plays wins. The subsequent attempts become sudden death if the score is tied after each team runs three plays. The overtime period will extend until a winner is declared. 
So you run three plays from the two. If you get in, in other words, a two-point extra point, you run one, they run one. You run one, they run one. You run one, they run one. And then we'll see who has the most points. You get two. Two times in, you get four points. They do it three times. They win the game, six to four in overtime. And if it's tied, you keep going until it's not tied. The new USL will also allow two forward passes from behind the line of scrimmage. So in addition to your quarterback being able to throw the ball down the field from behind the line of scrimmage, you now can throw a pass out to the flat, a bubble screen, a bubble screen, and he can throw it back to the quarterback, and if it's not backward, it doesn't matter. It does have to be behind the line of scrimmage, but the pass itself can be a forward pass. I don't know that that'll come into play a whole lot, although these guys are pretty inventive with the way they call plays. Maybe it will. Maybe it will. So those are your USFL rule wrinkles as we approach the start of the USFL season, which I presume will be sometime this summer, although this story that I'm reading from the Associated Press does not tell me when that will be. I do know this. They revived a lot of the names from the old USFL. Tampa Bay Bandits, Chicago Fire, Houston Gamblers. I used to have those t-shirts. I think I gave them away. I used to have those t-shirts. And I used to have them and not wear them. Because I thought, hey, this will be worth something someday. All those things you keep when you're a stupid 20-year-old and think, ah, oh, somebody will pay me. Somebody will pay me a million dollars for a Houston Gamblers t-shirt someday. No, they won't. And if they do, some kid in Bangladesh is wearing it now because I gave it to a thrift store a decade ago. All right. Uh, let's remind you that auiinfo.com is the place to go. If you're a business owner and you're looking for a way to put together the best benefits for your employees, auiinfo.com is phenomenal. They do a great job. They help you ask the right questions of employees so that you're giving employees what they want. And then they'll help you with HR services and all that. And you say, oh, sounds like great. Sounds like great. But what do I have to pay them? Nothing. You don't pay them anything. They get paid by the companies you do business with. So if you pick an insurance company, that insurance company will pay AUI. You don't pay them. That's how it works. AUIinfo.com. They're tremendous. Chrissy is a rock star. You will love Chrissy. You will thank me for introducing you to Chrissy. Trust me on that. Everybody does. Everybody goes, you know, I thought you were making that up about Chrissy. But Chrissy is Phenomenal. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. She is. So check it out. AUIinfo.com. That's AUIinfo.com. All right. Now to the faith portion of the podcast. And I've been telling you guys that in addition to reading my chapter of Proverbs a day, I have been reading five chapters of the Psalms per day. And what has come across to me in reading five chapters from the Psalms every day, is David, he's primarily the author of the Psalms, his, um, his deep worship of God, his deep awareness of God's amazing attributes and how short David as a man falls of God's attributes. And that struck me. That struck me uh, as true of myself, really struck me as true of myself. And in contemplating that and in integrating those thoughts with a lot of my show prep for my news talk radio show on 98.9 The Answer in Columbus, it runs 11 to 1 every day, I talk about current events. And part of current events is this conversation around 
uh, Leah Thomas, the swimmer, transgender swimmer, male swimmer, biological male swimmer, who's competing as a female, and the Katanji Brown-Jackson hearings in Washington, D.C. And she's being questioned, and she's going to be confirmed, and um, yet she has to go through these hearings. And in the course of these hearings, she's asked a bunch of questions, and some of the questions she's not answering. And it's pretty clear to me she's not answering the questions because she wants to she wants the job, right? Like when you go into a job interview and I go into a job interview, you're trying to answer the questions in such a way that you get the job. So Katanji Brown Jackson, she's a smart lady. She's not going to answer these questions in a way that could create problems for her with the people who vote on her. And she's not going to answer these questions in a way that creates problems for her with the people who most likely share her political ideology. She's a liberal justice. She wouldn't be nominated by the Biden administration if she wasn't a liberal justice. So she's not going to answer some of the questions she hasn't answered. Pretty obvious questions. She was asked yesterday, what's a woman? I'm not a biologist. I can't answer the question. Uh, when does life begin? Hmm? I mean, if you're a justice and you're going to rule on abortion and all that, you probably ought to have a learned opinion on that or a, a fact-based opinion on that or a logical, you know, uh, reason-oriented position on that. She said, I, I don't know. I don't know when life begins. Um, she was asked about should transgender uh, men be able to, transgender women rather, biological men, be able to compete with women. That'll be a case that, you know, legislatures can make laws about that, but the case might very well end up before the court. Reasonable she'd be asked to rule on that. She's not going to offer an opinion on that. And so, you know, I don't need to get into the biblical approach to those things. If you have any, if you're listening to the podcast at this point in time, because it's the faith portion, you clearly know what the Bible says about morality and you know that you know where I stand on that, all that stuff. And you know that my, uh, my deepest, um, most committed desire is to live my life in a way that shows that God is in control of my life, that God has the authority in my life, the, uh, the ultimate authority in my life, that it really doesn't matter. I can have my thoughts, my feelings, my inclinations, my leanings, but I ultimately I am humble enough, submissive enough, I better be, to, on matters of consequence, like those things we just talked about, I better be paying attention to what God says. He's the arbiter of truth. He's the giver of wisdom. He's the ultimate authority in my life. And I was thinking about um, how David, in Psalms, writes about how offensive it is when... Things happen in the world when we do things, adopt ideologies counter to God's word. <clears throat> and David paints it as a very awful thing, as a very unclean thing. I'm teaching a chapter in uh, a, a, a ver two verses in Proverbs, uh, the, uh, not in Proverbs, in Matthew this week. My guys in my Sunday school class just about fell off their chairs. No, we're not in Proverbs. We're in Matthew. Yeah, from the Beatitudes about purity. And I was contemplating this concept of purity. And I read in my Bible, I know that, you know, God in Leviticus makes a lot of specific instructions about purity and how to cleanse yourself if you are impure. Those things were ritualistic things they did in the Old Testament. Thankfully, Christ's sacrifice at the cross, his blood cleanses us now. But 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 the truth of it is, we are no less unclean in God's eyes now because of our sin than 
Israelites who had escaped Egyptian slavery were considered unclean back in the days of the Exodus. And if you want to know how detailed and involved the effort had to be to become ceremonially clean in Old Testament times, go spend a little time reading. I just randomly turned to this today. Leviticus 14. Turn to Leviticus 14 and read that. And you'll be like, whew. I mean, the guy has to like shave his head and shave his eyebrows and do this and that and sacrifice a couple doves and one you kill and one you dip in hyssop and one you sprinkle this on and that on. I mean, it's involved, which indicates that God takes impurity, uncleanliness, very, very seriously. Not because we, you know, are ritualistically unclean, but because our sin makes us unworthy of right relationship with God unless and until we accept what Christ did for us at the cross. And so I was thinking about this concept of being unclean. And the only thing I can liken it to is what is the one thing that I spend a lot of time trying to keep clean? (laughs) My car. I try to keep my car clean. The exterior. Interior is kind of a mess. But the exterior, I try to keep it clean. I like for it to look good. And so there are ways I can do that. I can stop by my favorite Moo Moo car wash and let them clean it. But it's really not as clean. I go through there. I got to get out. I got to wipe the water droplets off or they streak. If I really want to ratchet up the cleanliness of my car in the exterior, I'll, after I get it washed at Moo Moo, I'll get out the quick spray wax and I'll buff it, you know, quick, taking me like 15 minutes. And then it shines pretty good, right? Shines pretty good. But if I really want a long-lasting shine, protection against tree sap and eggs that people might throw at my car or bird poop or whatever, then I got to get the turtle wax out and I got to put some elbow grease into it and I got to do the hard shell finish. And what happens when I do that? Well, my car really shines. And as I drive it, people notice, they notice how clean it is. So the spiritual application of that is when I invest my effort in digging into the word of God, committing myself to the word of God, spiritually making the same effort I would make figuratively as I wax my car, I hopefully take on a sheen, a shine, a luster that A, offers me some hard shell protection against sin and temptation, but also allows me to reflect a shine of a manner that attracts others to the faith. So that's what I endeavor to do. I don't do it perfectly. I hope this podcast is a reflection of my efforts to do that. And I hope it is a uh, inspiration to you as you endeavor to do that. I'm deeply grateful of those of you who pay um, your time, take take the time and attention to doing this here, spending time. Um, those of you who send me emails, we tackle life at gmail.com, we tackle life at gmail.com, and review the podcast. 
I'm um, deeply, deeply grateful for that. My fondest hope is that all of us together would uh, would shine, would shine in brilliant, magnificent, transformative fashion for God. That's my fondest hope. So with that, I will uh, bid you adieu. Don't forget our friends at uh, Willis Spangler Starling. They are amazing. They do a great job uh, as attorneys, also AUI, and the other places that um, have been kind to sponsor the podcast. And uh, with that, I will leave you, and uh, we'll get to um, the NCAA tournament more on Friday. So everybody have a great day. Talk to you again soon. Thanks so much.